You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engines. Romo on the shotgun here at the snap. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! Brujol with a widespread stand. Arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. So 1-1 one, one pitch. A play, and there it goes! I am Don Glenn, your host, and uh, come on up and have a seat. we got some things to talk about. The World Series is going on and continues. Uh, we have a couple of under-radar teams, or at least I think they're under the radar, in the NFL. Uh, the Illini are now 7-1. Missouri beat a ranked opponent. Uh, Auburn fires head, their head coach. Tennessee is now number two in the nation. And the Cardinals need coaches. And some good news at third base and in the rotation. All that and more coming up. Hey, Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports. At Gateway City Sports is where you'll find articles and commentary on sports in and around the St. Louis area. You can also find other podcasts like the Team of Rifles with Ron Nuttle, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. You can find the Derek King Sports Show with Derek King and... The That's a Winner podcast with Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown. Check us out at Gateway City Sports. And like we say, if there's a sport that uh, uh, 
you follow, we don't cover it, let us know. We'll see what we can do about getting that covered for you. Um, so last week I kind of made an adjustment to how the show's going to go. We got our four segments. Uh, I've got things lined up to go. And so without further ado, let's get started. <laughs> Hey, leading off today is the Astros and Phillies are tied at one game apiece in the World Series. Now, the Phillies took game one six to five in ten innings. It took a home run in the tenth inning and a sliding catch by Nick Castellanos to hold off or hold on to the win. Uh, the Phillies were down five, five to nothing, uh, managed to come back. And that's the first time in World Series history that a team has been down five runs and come back to win. Uh, Philly starter Aaron Nola gave up five runs combined in the second and third innings, uh, including two home runs by Kyle Tucker. Uh, he went three for five in a game with four RB, four total RBIs. Uh, Martin Maldonado was one for three with the other RBI. For the Phillies, J.T. Realmuto was two for four with three RBIs, and not only would he hit the game-winning home run, but he also tied the game in the fifth with a two-run uh, two double off Houston starter Justin Verlander. Alec Bohm was one for, was only one for five, B. What he the one hit was a two-run double. Uh, Nick Castellanos had the other Philly RBI. He also went one for five in the game. Lowell would only last four innings, but uh, after that, it was a parade that uh, people are really co uh, complimenting uh, interim manager Rob Thompson uh, and how he brought his pitchers in and handled and uh, uh, helped preserve the win. Um, Sir Anthony Dominguez got the win, and David Robertson picked up the save. Now, Berlanger only made it through five innings, and Dusty Baker tried to match Thompson bullpen management uh, using six pitchers, but uh, failed in the task, and Luis Garcia got the loss. Uh, I should say Luis Garcia. I think it's the former Cardinal Luis Garcia got the loss. Uh, now, in game two, Houston would jump out to lead again, but this time they managed to hold on to it for a 5-2 win. Uh, Framber Valdez would go six innings and allow only one run. Uh, Rafael Montero and Ryan Presley would each uh, would help finish the game off with Presley giving up one run for the Phils. Uh, Jack Wheeler would go five innings, or excuse me, for the Phillies. Jack Wheeler would go five innings to give up all five Houston runs and take the loss. Jose Altuve has been having a, a very bad postseason. I mean, it, it's been pretty bad. He kind of broke out with three hits, uh, scoring one time. Uh, Houston would get two RBIs from Alec Bergman's home run, uh, and that home run is his sixth in World Series competition, and that is the most home runs in World Series competition by a third baseman. A uh, single RBI from Jeremy Pena and Norton Alvarez would also round out the scoring uh, uh, as far as RBIs. And then uh, Edmundo Sosa Air gave uh, the fifth run. Uh, the Phillies would get an RBI double from Alvarez again, uh, and they would get a run in the ninth on a fielding error by Yuli Garial. Uh, game three was set for uh, Monday night, but it was postponed by rain, so game three will be tonight. Uh, in Philly, and everything's just kind of been moved back a day, but the pitching matchups have been kind of rearranged a little bit. Um, so game three is today, game four is tomorrow, game five will be uh, Thursday. Friday will now be a travel day, and game six and seven, if needed, will be Saturday and Sunday. 
Uh, pitching matchup was supposed to be Syndergaard uh, for Philadelphia. Uh, it was changed to Ronger Suarez, uh, and Lance McCullers was supposed to go for Houston last night. Both of those guys will be pitching tonight. Um, and now for the Phillies, Nola will take them out in Game 4, and either Syndergaard or Kyle Gibson will get the ball in Game 5. Uh, and then Wheeler is slated to take Game 6, leaving Suarez for Game 7 if needed. Now the Astros will go with McCullers in Game 3, as they had originally planned. Uh, Christian Javier in Game 4. Verlander will get an extra day off and go in Game 5. Uh, Framber Valdez in Game 6, and then they will go back to McCullers if needed in Game 7. At least that's the plan for now. Uh, another quick note from baseball is Justin Turner wins the Roberto Clemente Award for 2022. Turner founded the Justin Turner Foundation in 2016. The foundation supports homeless veterans, children, and families battling life-altering diseases and illness. Uh, also supports youth, youth baseball. This is he, this is into a lot. I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, it supports youth baseball, and Turner himself is involved with the Dream Center, which is a Los Angeles-based resource center that supports uh, the hungry and homeless. And he has personally donated over $100,000 to the Children's Hospital in L.A. So big congratulations to Justin Turner, well-deserved of the Roberto Clemente Award. And I really like to see athletes and actors that involve themselves in causes like that. And I, I'm sure for many people and families, uh, it just, it help takes, takes a lot of worry when you have people that will give back to the community like that, that have been fortunate, that, that can give back and, and do the things that uh, guys like Turner do. So it kind of gives people a glimmer of hope. Uh, We'll take a quick break here for a second. We're going to talk about stress-free car buying. So buying a car always seems stressful. You know, finding the right car and then dealing with the haggling with the, with the uh, dealership or the car place or whatever, uh, price negotiations and everything. But at Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri, it does not have to be stressful. They will help you find the vehicle you need no matter what brand. See, at Fifth Street Motors, they believe in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. So, if you're in the need of a vehicle, give Brandon or Donna a call today at 573-259-1306. Tell them Gateway City Sports and Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. We're calling the field stands. Touchdown! Hey, that's our signifies our under further review here at Talking sports on the bleachers, and today I want to zoom in on the NFL and look at a couple of teams that I don't think are, well, at least for me anyway, I don't seem to be getting the attention. Uh, they might be in some sectors, and I just haven't seen it, but I don't think they're getting quite as much as they really should be. And the first of that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, they're 7-0, and and this is only the second time in franchise history that they are 7-0, matching their mark from 2004. They're the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. Uh, and um, I think they've got a game-and-a-half lead in the uh, NFC East. Uh, a lot of the success can be linked to quarterback Jalen Hurts, and he's set a franchise record for winning 10 regular season games in a row. Uh, of course, that dates back to last season. And so far this year, he has 17. he's passed for 1,799 yards, 10 touchdowns, only two picks. He's also rushed for 303 yards, which is second on the team behind uh, running back Miles Sanders, who has 563 yards. But Hertz leads all rushers in touchdowns with six. 
So he accounted for 16 touchdowns by himself, uh, either as a either throwing the ball or running the ball. Um, now, as I mentioned, Sanders has, Sanders has five touchdowns. He's gained 563 yards. Uh, now his main target when he throws the ball, though, is A.J. Brown, who has 39 receptions for 659 yards and five touchdowns of his own. Tight end Dallas Goddard has uh, 32 catches, 421 yards, and three scores, while receiver... Devontae Smith has, th has caught 39 passes for 420 yards and three touchdowns. So he's got uh, he's throwing the ball. He's got good receivers, solid uh, running game. Um, but that's not the only thing they've got. Uh, defensively, the Eagles are a sack happy bunch. I mean, they got 23 sacks so far this year in seven games, and that's by 10 different players. So it's not just one guy doing all the work. Uh, Offensive outside linebacker Hassan Reddick leads the team with five and a half sacks. Uh, the D line itself has eleven and a half sacks um, between Fletcher Cox, uh, Brandon Graham, who each have three, and Josh Sweat, who has two and a half. Um, those are the leaders in the defensive line. Um, now they also have ten picks, uh, all by the secondary, all by their, their DBs. Um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson leads that group with four uh, picks, while cornerback Darius Stay has three. Uh, leading tackler on the team is middle linebacker T.J. Edwards with 68 tackles, including 45 solos. He also has two sacks. Uh, special teams, they're, they're right there, too. Uh, kicker Jake Elliott is 6-for-7 in field goals with a 51-yarder versus Dallas on October 16th. He's also a 20-for-21 in extra points. Punter Aaron Sipos uh, has punted the ball 28 times for a 45.9 yard per punt average and a net of 40.8. They've only the opponents have only returned the ball 13 times, and uh, oh, excuse me, he's landed the ball 13 times inside the opponent's 20. They've only uh, returned 12 of his punts for 84 total yards, um, and he's had no punts blocked. Now, looking at their remaining schedule, not hard to imagine that um, of the 10 games they have remaining, they, they've got, uh, the way I looked at it, they've got at least seven wins coming up. Uh, and I, 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 I say that with pretty much assurance, but I think they've got seven. They could win all 10. They could go undefeated in the regular season. Uh, I think they're that good. Um, and it would only be the ninth team to have an undefeated regular season. I know people don't think about that. Be, you know, they, everybody goes, well, the Dolphins and the and the uh, Patriots. Who else? Well, I'll get ready to tell you. Uh, now, a couple of these undefeated seasons have ties attached to them. So, but in 1920, the Akron Pros were eight and eight zero and three. In 22, the Canton Bulldogs were ten zero and two, and they were. Did again in 23, going 11-0-1. In 1929, the Green Bay Packers were 12-0-1. Uh, now, as far as undefeated teams without ties, they would be, if they managed to do it, they would be the fifth. Uh, the other four teams are the 34 Bears, 13-0. The 49 Bears, 11-0. Of course, the 72 Dolphins, the 14-0, and a perfect season. Uh, and the uh, 2007 New England Patriots at 16 or no. Uh, also, interestingly enough, if the Eagles go undefeated uh, in the regular season, they would get the NFL record for having the most 
wins in a regular season at 17. Currently, that is held by the Patriots with 16. So now the other team, I think, it's quietly having a good season, and we'll see how it progresses. But I think there's, I think they may be under the radar a little bit here, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, now they should win the NFC North right now because right because at this point in time, uh, the Packers look horrible, the Bears look horrible, and the Lions don't exist. So <laughs> I hate to say it, I'm, I'm a Packer fan, people, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I don't see us catching the Vikings. I don't see anybody in the in the, in the uh, NFC North catching the Vikings unless they just have a total collapse. Um, they're six and one, three and zero in conference. Uh, their only their only loss is to the undefeated Eagles. So, uh, quarterback Kirk Cousins, he's not putting up the numbers that Jalen Hurts is, but he's still thrown over 1,700 yards and 11 touchdowns, but he has five picks. Uh, he doesn't rush the ball like Hurts does, um, but they've got a capable running back in Dalvin Cook, uh, who's got 560 yards in the season and five touchdowns. Uh, Alexander Matson uh, has only rushed for 137 yards, but he's added two touchdowns. He's also got eight catches for a touchdown. Um, or eight catches and one touchdown as a receiver out of the backfield, I should say. Uh, and Cousins has used multiple targets, so uh, much more so than Hurts. Uh, he spreads the ball around a lot. He's got at least four receivers with two touchdowns. Uh, uh, Jason, Justin Jefferson, uh, 52 catches, 70, 152 yards. Adam Thien, 35 catches, 351 yards. Uh, K.J. Osborne, 21 catches, 185 yards, and Irv Smith, 22 receptions for 168 yards. Each one of those guys has two touchdowns. Uh, defensively, Jordan Hicks is the leader of that defense. 61 total tackles, two sacks, a pick, pass rush wise, well, excuse me, and a pick. Uh, pass rush wise, offensive line, out, outside linebacker, not offensive linebacker, outside linebacker. So Darius Smith has eight and a half of the team's 21 sacks. Uh, the defense is only seven picks, but does defend the, defend the pass very well. Uh, Harrison Smith leads the team on picks with three, and Patrick Peterson leads the team in passes to defend it with ten. Uh, special teams could be somewhat of a weak spot uh, in, the, um, in the field goal kicking uh, part of it, uh, as Greg Joseph has missed five of 14 field goals uh, and uh, is only connected on 16 of 19 extra points. Now, punter Ryan White is a little bit better. He's averaging 45 yards per punt with a net of 43. Now, teams have only returned 13 of his 32 punts for only 66 yards. So their punting game is actually in pretty, is actually in pretty good shape. Uh, now, the Vikings have a tougher road than, than the Eagles do. Uh, they've still got Buffalo, New England, and the Jets, the Jets and the Giants on their schedule. Uh, but with the lackluster play of the Packers, Bears, and Lions, I don't see uh, a serious threat to them not winning the division, as I said. Uh, but uh, you know, how far they go is just going to depend on how much more um, their their kicking game gets, uh, and uh, you know, if if uh, Cousins can keep up and cut down on his picks. Uh, they've only lost one game, so you know I, I, they may be a team, like I said, that could be flying a little under the radar. Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. It's time for the college notebook. 
Uh, the University of Illinois has won yet again, moving to seven one on seven and one on the season, and upping the rankings to number fourteen. Uh, they beat Nebraska in Lincoln, twenty six to nine Saturday. Uh, the theme that's been working all year seems to be Chase Brown rushing for a buck twenty five, a buck fifty, uh, a couple of touchdowns. Um, the defense holding teams down. It just seems to be working. Well, did the same thing on Saturday as Chase Brown rushed for 149 yards, had one rushing touchdown. Uh, he had three receptions uh, for 13 yards and another touchdown. Uh, Tommy DeBito was. Uh, 20 of 22 for 179 yards and threw a touchdown pass to Isaiah Williams who caught all nine passes that was thrown his way for 93 yards. Um, the defense held the uh, Cornhuskers to 60 yards rushing and 188 yards passing. Passing. Nebraska quarterback uh, Kerry Thompson was 7 to 15 for 172 yards, a touchdown and two picks until he was hurt. Uh, backup quarterback Chubba Purdy was 3 for 8 for 15 yards, no touchdowns, and he was picked off one time by the Illinois defense. Uh, Illinois enjoyed a 16-minute advantage in time of possession. Uh, defensive back Cindy Brown led the team in total tackles with six and had two interceptions, two of the three Illinois interceptions. Uh, now, this is the third year in a row that the line had beaten the Huskers and have secured their first winning season, winning regular season, excuse me, since 2007. Uh, they're 4-1 in conference play with winnable games coming up against, I think, Michigan State, Purdue, and Northwestern. Some people may question Purdue, but they just got shellacked by Wisconsin, so how good are they anyway? Um, the only big test, and the one I think they're going to falter on, will be at the Big House in Ann Arbor. Uh, but that would make them seven and two for the con for the year, uh, conference and ten and two overall. Um, and the last time, here's some some stats I looked up. The last time they had seven wins in conference was in 2001. Uh, now Illinois football has won seven more games in conference only three times. 1983, they were 9 and 0 under Mike White. In 89, they were 7 and 1 under John McEvick. And in 2001, they were 7 and 1. They were under Ron Turner. Now, getting to seven conference wins, like I said, means they would have this year 10 overall victories and be 10 and 2 for the season. I looked up again. <laughs> the last time that happened was again 2001 and there have only been two other times before 2001 that Illinois has won 10 games in a season not counting a bowl victory so think about that just 10 regular season games 1983 under John Makovic and 1902 under Edgar Holt were the, last, were the only other two times they've won 10 wins without the benefit of a bowl game um now, if you want to take it down to, say, nine wins, have they won nine or more? Yeah, okay, that only gives you two more seasons. <laughs> 1989, they were nine and two under John McEvick, and in 2007, nine and three under Ron Zook. So it's easy to see why uh, the excitement is really bubbling over in Champaign. I mean, I, I tell you, the, the, what being has got going around this program has just been super fantastic. It has just been a, a shot in the arm, really, to the community, to the fan base, to the students. Um, you know, kudos to, to Bielema and his staff and. Uh, uh, let's hope they can keep this ball just rolling along.
And the University of Missouri had a good win on Saturday, taking down number 25 South Carolina, 23-10. Uh, Mizzou took the early lead and never let it go, uh, leading at the half 17-7 and just going on from there. Uh, Brady Cook threw for 224 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown, um, but he didn't have any picks either. He did run the ball for 53 yards and a touchdown. Cody Schrader carried the ball 22 times for 81 yards and a score. And Harrison Mevis would convert three or four field goal tries, hitting from 19, 50 yards, and 42 yards out. Uh, the Tiger defense clamped down with Isaiah McGuire recording two sacks, DJ Coleman and Martez Manuel each adding a sack as they limited South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler to just 171 yards on 20 for 30 passing, no touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, the win, even the Tiger record at 4-4, four four, makes them... Two and three in conference play. It also puts them in a stretch of tough games, though, um, as the next two, te- two teams they play are Kentucky and Tennessee. Now they just battled each other. Kentucky and Tennessee didn't. <laughs> Tennessee just rolled right past them. Uh, Kentucky wasn't even in the game, I don't think. Um, so that knocked them out of the top 25. So yeah, I don't think Kentucky's actually that bad a team. Uh, I think they're actually a little bit better. Uh, but uh, now the game is in Columbia, but I'm going to tell you this. The Tigers are in for a battle because there are going to be a bunch of pissed-off Wildcats showing up for that game. I can tell you that one right now. And then you got to face Tennessee the next week. So, you know, a little bit of a rough stretch. But they do have two winnable games at the end of the season against uh, uh, New Mexico State and Arkansas. So it's very possible they could end up being bowl eligible, which would be a big uh, a big uh, boost for Eli Drinkwitz and that coaching staff. Uh, I was talking with Russ Robinson a couple weeks ago. We were discussing the co- uh, coaches on the hot seat. And, uh, you know, we didn't think Drinkwitz was really on a hot seat, but it might have been getting a little warm. Uh, I think with this victory against South Carolina, the temperature has gone down a little bit. And if he reaches bowl eligibility, I think... Uh, He's pretty much safe for a while. Uh, a couple of quick notes. As I mentioned, Tennessee throttled Kentucky, and in doing so was given the number two spot in the latest AP poll, with Ohio State dropping down to the three spot. Now, in the coaches' poll, it's still Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. In the CPS poll, it's Ohio State, Tennessee, and Georgia. So, you know. But everybody's kind of agreeing that Tennessee is right there in the mix, people. And, uh, again, Russ and I talked about that a couple weeks ago when they were just, uh, uh, you know, they were kind of making noise. And I think they're making more noise now. So uh, you could see them uh, uh, making some big-time noise now that they're where they're at. Uh, A couple of the big movers in the AP poll, Kansas State jumps up nine spots. Uh, to number 13, and Oklahoma State plummets down nine spots to 18. Uh, Wake Forest falls off the cliff 10 points to drop to number 20. Syracuse dropped six points to 22. Uh, and the NCAA power rankings are out, and here we go back go back to Tennessee. Uh, it goes number one, Ohio State. This is the power rankings now. Number one, Ohio State. Number two, Tennessee. Number three, Georgia. Number four, TCU. Didn't I tell you last week about TCU? They're for real, folks. Be aware of these guys. I'm, I'm telling you right now, they could make a difference, uh, make a presence in the playoffs. Don't count TCU out. Uh, after the 41-27 to loss to Arkansas, Brian Harson is out as the Auburn coach. They have parted ways. Harson becomes the sixth 
coach to be relieved of his duties this season or get the axe, so to speak. Um, some early names that have been tossed around uh, that uh, Auburn might be trying to uh, lure into their coaching realm is uh, Arlene Kiffin, the Ole Miss uh, head coach, uh, Hugh Freeze, Liberty head coach, uh, Kenny Dillingham, who's the Oregon offensive coordinator, uh, Jamie Caldwell, Coastal, Coastal Carolina head coach, Matt Rule, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, uh, Deion Sanders, Jackson State head coach, Kevin Steele, the University of Miami defensive coordinator. Uh, those are all names being thrown out. Nobody's been confirming anybody yet. Uh, I do think it, it is probably uh, a lock that they want to get. I mean, everybody wants to get Lane Kiffin. Uh, I wanted Lane Kiffin when he hired Brett Bielema, but I'll be happy with Brett Bielema at Illinois. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't want to trade right now. Um, now, Harson himself might have an opportunity uh, as Arizona State and Colorado jobs are open. And many people think that Harson's just not suited for SEC football. Um, I mean, that's a demanding, unforgiving conference, and especially at a school like Auburn, who prides itself on being right there in the mix and going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the big boys of Alabama and uh, Georgia and the like. And, uh, so I think uh, you know it might have been out of his element because uh, he did spend he's more familiar with the West as he spent uh, seven years at Boise State going 88 and 69 he was three and two in bowl games for Boise State uh, and uh, won ten games or more five times with the Broncos so uh, he may be a little more suited to that West Coast or that Western style and Western play there so to speak. Um, you know, coaching is one profession that offers very little protection for people, you know, the guys that are in. I mean, you know, you could be top of the world one day, and the next day they want you, they want to ride you out of town on the next rail. I'm telling you. So, uh, and you and I both know how it is important it is to be protected because you just never know when life is going to throw you a curveball. Well, that's why you need Allstate, and the Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They use a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings, so give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294, and they'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. That's just the way they roll, folks. Uh, but even give them a call if you just want to talk to sports, because you know something? They'll do that, too. And uh, we all have busy lives. You know, they know that. So you can email Sean, seanwiley, at allstate.com, and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Hey, I don't have any music yet for Under the Arch, but this is the Under the Arch segment. Uh sort of a meet me in St. Louis thing. Uh, well, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind over at Bush Stadium this week. Um, as first bench coach Skip Schumacher was hired away by the Miami Marlins to be their new manager, pitching coach Mike Maddox steps aside, hitting coach Jeff Albert resigned, uh, and bullpen coach Brian Eversgard uh, is getting reassigned. And then... Nolan Arenado announces he is not opting out. Uh, and Adam Wainwright is coming back for a yet another season. Uh, 
So it's just been one thing after another, it seems like, over there. So let's kind of go from the top and take it all the way down. So the Cardinals, uh, Skip Schumacher is now a the manager of the Miami Marlins. Uh, the Cardinals drafted Schumacher back in 2001 in the fifth round. He played for St. Louis between 2005 and 2012. Uh, was an outfitter, moved to second base. Uh, and then the Cardinals traded Schumacher to the Dodgers for, and remember this name, Jake Limmerman, because I don't remember him. Uh, <laughs> uh, Schumacher then signed a, uh, he was with the Dodgers for a year, then signed with the Reds, and then signed with the Padres in February of 2016, and they released him a month later. Uh, San Diego then turned around in 2018 and hired him as the first space coach. In 2020, he was promoted to the associate manager's job. Uh, which is kind of an elevated bench coach job. Uh, then he joined the Cardinals this past season as the bench coach uh, for new manager Oliver Marmol. Uh, Schumacher was named manager of the Marlins on October 25th. So good luck to Skip, and hope you win a lot of games unless you're playing St. Louis. So now Skip replaces uh, Don Mattingly, uh, who was uh, let go. Now, as to who replaces Skip on the Cardinals, uh, they, they have some options on staff. I mean, leading candidate right now would be first base, co first base coach Stubby Clapp. Uh, I think you would have to consider Pop Warner and Willie McGee in that also um, as possibilities. But I think it's probably uh, the internal option would probably be Stubby. Um, and then there's also been uh, a little bit of rumor the last day or two floating around that Matt Holliday has thrown his name into the ring uh, to that he would like to be he would take the bench coach job if if it were offered. Um, now Holliday played 15 years in the majors for four different clubs, eight years in St. Louis, and he's currently the hitting coach for his brother Josh at Oklahoma State University. Now, Mike Maddox informed John Mazalek he wanted to step away from his duties as pitching coach. Mazalek did make it clear in the press conference that Maddox is not retiring and that the door is open to having him as a special assistant somewhere in the organization. Uh, most of the relief pitcher in his career, he did have 48 starts, but he was the pitching coach, uh, Maddox I'm talking about, but he was a pitching coach for the Brewers in 2003 to 2008, uh, the Rangers from 2009 to 2015, uh, and then the Nationals from 2016-17, and the Cardinals since 2018. Now, as for who replaces uh, Mad, uh, Mad Dog, as they call him, um, internally there's not really a lot of options. Uh, you've got the uh, Dusty Blake, who's the Major League Pitching Strategist, uh, and then there's also Minor League Pitching Instructor and former Cardinal Closer Jason Isringhausen. Now, there's a buzz from fans. They want to see Chris Carpenter, who did work briefly in the Cardinal front office as a, in the scouting department, uh, didn't last long, and is currently the mental skills coach for the Los Angeles Angels minor league pitching pitchers. So we'll see how they go there. Um, I mean, I can see them going Chris Carpenter. I can see them promoting Isringhausen, unless, of course, Skip Schumacher calls Izzy up, uh, which is a possibility. Um as for what else is around, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, you did, you're pitching coaches, you just don't see that many of them uh, around. Um, uh, there are people that wondering, wondering about uh, Yachty if he could be because a lot of you, a lot of times you will see the pitching coach be a catcher, a former catcher rather than a pitcher. 
but I don't think you're going to see Yachty in that role. He's going to be somewhat busy, at least uh, uh, with the uh, uh, Puerto Rican national team. Uh, so I don't know if you'll see him in that role. Um, as for other names, I mean, they, 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 could, they could bring some, uh, promote a coach in the minor leagues. They could uh, uh, look around in other departments and see where they've got uh, possibilities. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one, see where, where they go with it. Um, i tell you one guy, if he hadn't signed up to pitch again, would be Mike, what would be Adam Wainwright. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, uh, Jeff Albert resigned as the hitting coach due to what John Mazzalek described as frustrations with uh, getting you know, with, with what was happening in the in the hitting department and then getting a lot of the blame uh, for when they had their issues. Uh, Mazzalek said he was all prepared to offer Albert an extension, but Albert came to him first and said, "I quit." Um, this is not a spot with the Cardinals have internal options. Uh, that being assistant hitting coach Turner Ward who was brought on as kind of the on-the-field uh, in-game adjustment guy. Uh, so he would have a leg up in there. Uh, uh, another option is minor league instructor, former big league uh, player and former Cardinal Ryan Ludwig. Uh, but he's another one that might also be tabbed by uh, Schumacher to go to Miami. And something I've heard the last couple of days, well, let um, me get this one first. And there's there's Matt Holiday, who uh, a lot of people, since he already is a hitting coach, thought thinks think he would be a a good uh, fit in that role as well. Uh, one name that's come up, um, I can't remember saw this on Twitter. I think it was uh, somebody mentioned uh, hiring Don Mattingly, uh, the guy that just got fired from the Miami, who Skip Schumacher is replacing. Uh, as either bench coach or hitting instructor. And, uh, you know, hitting instructor, I mean, Manningly has played 15 years in the big leagues, you know, 14 years, and uh, all with the Yankees. But he was a 300 hitter uh, for his career. Um, he's been a manager. He's been a hitting coach. So, you know, why not? Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, I think it's, if it's not... Uh, one other name that I think might um, would be Jimmy Edmonds. Um, and I think also maybe an outside possibility could be Rick Ann Keel. Uh, so, I mean, you've got some options there. Um, now, uh, also, Brian Eversgard, as I said, was being reassigned in the organization. Uh, and while bullpen coach is not a high-profile position, um, they do kind of have a, 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 a well-defined role. Um so I think you know, but I think they'll they'll do that in house. I think I, you're probably going to see uh, bullpen catcher Jamie Pogue uh, possibly get elevated to the bullpen coach job, and they'll just have to find another catcher. Um, and as I said, Adam Wainwright wants one more go around. The Cardinals announced they reached a one year agreement with Adam Wainwright to pitch in 2023 for St. Louis. Uh, the deals were 17 and a half million dollars, seven and a half million paid out this year in 22. Or 23, excuse me, uh, and 10 million deferred uh, over the next 10 years, uh, million a year. Uh, he's also got some incentives of $500,000 for 28 28 starts and 30 starts, uh, $500,000 for a top 10 side young finish, $50,000 each for All Star Gold Glove uh, League Championship Series MVP and World Series MVP, and 25,000 for the Silver Slugger Award. Does he realize they? 
aren't allowing pitchers to hit? I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> now the move uh, does give the rotation uh, make you know, gives you five guys now for the rotation with Michaelis, Flair, Jack Flair, Jordan Montgomery, Stephen Matz already there. Um, but it does not address rotation depth as uh, as we've seen in the last couple of years. Uh, who's backing those guys up? So I think you still may have some more pitching uh, um, moves to make. Nolan Arenado, a lot of speculation to his contract, which had uh, a little known clause that if he opted out after the 22 season, the Rockies were on the hook to pay him $20 million directly. And if he didn't opt out, the money would be paid to the Cardinals at $4 million increments for between 19, or excuse me, 2023 and 2027, the length of his contract. Um, but now, but it's not stated, I should say. Uh, but one would assume that that money would be a deferral and would be applied to Arenado's contract. Now, I say it because uh, $20 million would either go to him or go to the Cardinals. Uh, if he's not playing for the Cardinals, it goes to him. If he's playing for the Cardinals, it goes to the Cardinals, the Cardinals to pay him. That's what I would, uh, would think. It, it doesn't specifically state that in the contract, but that's what I would think. Uh, now, there were some that were saying he would opt out. Um, one being um, uh, Ryan Jenkins from uh, That's a Winner podcast. Uh, he was saying, and, and and I I can see where he was going with it, uh, that uh, Nolan would opt out, take the $20 million, and then re-sign with the Cardinals for essentially the contract he had before or a uh, renegotiated contract with an extra year. Uh, now, while he didn't necessarily guarantee it was going to happen, and nobody could have guaranteed that, I am not going to say he did. Uh, but uh, he was very adamant. This is what the, I, this is what I see him doing, and 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 I could see it. I could see it happening. I, I really saw the point. Uh, but if you look further into the contract, you know, as I said, that twenty million of his twenty-one was deferred ten million annually between from nineteen twenty-two to nine, or excuse me, twenty twenty-two to twenty thirty-one at two percent interest. So he's already getting a deferment on that tw on twenty million um, from his uh, twenty-one salary. Now, thirty million dollars of his twenty-two to twenty-six salary, part of his contract, is going to be deferred at three million dollars annually from nineteen thirty-two to nineteen forty-one. Now that could have been restructured as well. I I understand. But had he taken the twenty million, he would have lost the thirty million deferment. So I think that's why, while it may not have been all about money, I think that was the other thing: is uh, he actually stood to lose money if he took the twenty million. So, but I don't think opting out was ever a real consideration. To be truthful with you, I really don't think so. Um, I think he did ponder it. And uh, in the end, I just don't think he wanted the hassle of uh, the free agency, even if he knew he was coming back to the Cardinals and it was going to be a deal. I don't think he wanted to go back into that hassle. Uh, I think he he saw that you know, hey, I'm getting paid. I've got a 10 year retirement program after I, you know, because uh, his contract goes to 27. And then in uh, 32, he starts a, a 10 year retirement program of three million dollars a year. I think he was happy with that, and, and uh, I think that's why you see you saw him resign. Um, so a lot of more moves to be made uh, in that respect, and what they're going to do, they still got. Now I'll get into some of that uh, in the next couple shows, and I said over the next uh, few weeks, uh, we got plenty of time to talk about that as deals go down. Um, 
a couple more, a couple quick notes. Uh, I'm going to try to get on, uh, uh, get Arlington Lane. I'm going to talk some XFL with the A train. Um, and uh, I may try and get uh, uh, Guy Benching back on uh, to talk some blues hockey at some point. And of course, uh, sometime this month here in November. Uh, Russ and I will get back together again. We'll talk a little bit more NCAA. Um, by that time, basketball will be in bloom, so we'll talk some football and basketball. Uh, so, if you like the show, uh, please tell your friends. It can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pies, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can contact the show's website at uh, Talking Sports hyphen otb hyphen gcs dot on podium dot com you can hit me up on twitter tsotbgcs or excuse me at tsotbgcs um you can always always i encourage you to visit the gatewaycitysports.com uh check out the articles in the other podcasts well, i said we got some good ones in there that's a winner podcast those guys uh they do a very good job uh, team of rivals does a good job. Uh, we're going to get some more in. We got some new things showing up every day. Um, so, you know, don't be a stranger. Come and take a look at us. And, uh, you know, until we have this chance to sit on the bleachers and talk sports again, I'll see you guys later. Have a good day.